Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time of worship, Lord. We thank you that we can come here again so far in a free fashion, Lord Jesus, that we don't have to be persecuted to the extent of some of, their, some of our brothers and sisters are being persecuted across the world. We thank you, Lord, for that. We thank you for freedom. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And God, that word means generosity. We thank you for your generosity of your mercy, your grace, your forgiveness, your love. Lord Jesus, that you are a true gentleman, that you stand at the door and knock, Lord God, waiting on your children to answer. Father, I pray, God, that you would uh, overshadow my frailty, Lord, with the cross, Lord Jesus, today. God, that what you've given me, Lord, which I know that you have speaking and spoken to me, Father, we ask, Lord, that you um, would just do what you want to today, Father, that your way would be had in this place today, Lord. We ask for your spirit to come. We invite your spirit. Please, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. Um, first of all, before I, I get into the message very quickly, good morning, welcome if you are visiting with us. It's an honor and a privilege to have you here with us this morning visiting. Um, just to give you about a one-minute update very quickly on the restoration, we're eight weeks out. Uh, tickets are $25 for no waiting in line, special entry, and Closest to stage seating and dinner with Hearts of Saints before the event starts on Friday night, March 7th. The event is March 7th and 8th. We met with some youth pastors uh, yesterday, and um, we're going to be attempting to put up banners in the different schools in, this, in the area. Um, tickets are also $15 for general admission. If you can go to the website at wearetherestoration.com, you can purchase those tickets. That'll give you a sheet. You can bring that to the event. They'll scan it, and they'll replace that with the wristband for the weekend. Whether you're involved with the youth ministry, um, whether you know some churches outside of here, maybe Newark, Heath, Columbus, if you have any connections at all, if you have connections in the schools, parents, Bible clubs, students, anything at all, please spread the word that the restoration takes place this March 7th and 8th at Seacrest Auditorium again. It's about a $28,000 endeavor, so again, if you would like to give to that, we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, we're about $3,000 shy of our goal. Um, so if you can contribute to that through a business or whatever, we would love um, to help you out in that area as well through your generosity. So thank you in advance for that. If God moves upon you, even between now and March 7th and 8th, to give any amount, we appreciate it. We appreciate those who have been faithfully giving small amounts every week for six to eight weeks. Um, you guys are awesome. So thank you for your support in this endeavor that I honestly was going to give up on um, because it's just a lot of work. It's a lot of sweat. It's a lot of money. Sometimes when you walk, all the time, when you walk by sight, it's discouraging. Um, so, and I think the enemy has a way of, of, um, of just uh, harassing you and accusing you and bombarding you left and right and sifting us, shaking us up and down, left and right, side to side, and attacking us. Amen? Um, so from, from yesterday's meeting, I, I, uh, I kind of walked out encouraged. There, there's a couple other youth pastors in the area that when I look at them, I just I almost start crying because of the faithfulness that they have to God and because of the things that they have been through with God and they haven't turned their back on God the entire time. And just to see the story that God is giving them through this entire journey of their life. And, you know, we're all dealt different cards in life. Um, some of us have suffered loss and death and divorce, and we have no idea if our kids are ever going to give their hearts back to God. And that scares us to the point where we've given up on our faith. Um, but when I see people go through trials, 
the way that, that we're meant to go through trials, um, clinging to God every step of the way, there's something that, that is produced in that person that cannot be explained. Um, I, I want th- th- This morning's message, I, I want to kind of say this first. Today's message may not be for everyone. Um, I, 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 have, I, I don't know if you can tell. I'm just, this is heavy. On me, I've been, it's been heavy on me in prayer. Last Sunday night's youth message was about prayer. Um, you know, my only New Year's resolution, and by the way, 65% of New Year's resolution, resolutions fail after the first 30 days. And, but, you know, if I had one, it's just to pray. Just to pray more. Um, I know where I'm at in my walk. I know what God is taking me through. I know what He's doing on the inside of me. And I had a really, just a heavy heart this week praying. And um, something happened this morning. I went down and I spent time with God for about an hour by the fire. And, and I just, I felt... Uh, this, I don't know how often this happens to you, but um, after praying last night and then getting up and praying, I felt like God's pain for people in this church, um, s- specific people. I'm not going to name those people. I don't know if that would, I don't know what God's going to do today. Um, but, I, but he was revealing things to me because I gave myself to him. Um, gosh, and that this, the title of this morning's message is an eclipse of faith. Okay, um, what has eclipsed your faith? What has gotten in the way of your vision of the Son of God? What has obscured your view of seeing Jesus and staying focused on Jesus? Um, faith. Faith is the basis for trust, okay? It all comes down, really, to trust. So it's by faith I place my trust in you, Lord. Faith isn't a religion or a practice or even some type of hyper-belief. Faith is a choice to endure by trusting God through your trials. And I do believe that faith that is not tested cannot be trusted. Now you have to kind of let that sink in. And the reason why I'm saying that this morning's message may not be for everybody in here is because if you have a faith this morning that is just hype, it's just froth, it's weak, it's just coming to church and you say the words, yeah, I believe, and and the devil has not harassed you to the point where you have come to a point in your life where you are basically throwing in the towel and you are giving up and you have to make a choice to fight. Okay? So if you you have a weak faith, this message may not be for you. If you have not been through something, so this could be a partial eclipse or maybe a total eclipse of the Son of God where your faith has been so... Some of us are living in such deep sin, that is your eclipse. You no longer see God. The mercy of God, the grace of God has been eclipsed by your sin, by your past, by a death in the family, by cancer that has scared you, and things that have happened in your life that have caused you to lose faith in God. Um, I believe 
that as I say this today, I'm thinking of so many people that have been to New Hope Church for maybe a couple decades. Um, don't you hate referring back and saying this is how things used to be? Don't you hate and loathe the fact that the enemy, the only memory you have of God is at some youth retreat 20 years ago? Your faith has been eclipsed. Okay? God spoke this to me through um, something that I had read about, I don't know, several weeks ago, and I cannot get this out of my heart. And it's heavy, but I think God can do something this morning. Do you believe that? Um, so check this out. I'm going to go to Luke 22. There's going to be some scriptures that pop up here and there, but I'm going to focus on a couple of people. Now listen very carefully, and I want you to kind of, if you can, empathize with these people, but if not, you can kind of see what has happened. And again, I apologize, and I know this, I don't, even, I don't want this to sound offensive, but I apologize that if you ne have never been pushed to the point of feeling like you were going to throw in the towel and give up on God, where you had to make a choice to press through, and having come through it, having a story and a testimony that strengthens other people. Because let's face it, we don't like to listen to people that don't have a lot to say. We don't like to listen to people who haven't been through a whole lot, who maybe haven't had their faith eclipsed by something and decided to press through it. Do you like to listen to those people who would just say, it'll be okay, you'll be fine? Now, they mean well, but when, when someone comes up to you and you know their story, and it's so overwhelming that they have come through and they have come out because maybe they've lost a son, they've lost a spouse, someone was stricken with cancer, there are all these different things. Every ounce of suffering in this life, every millisecond is meaningful. It's meaningful. Some of your faith has been eclipsed for 10 years because of bitterness towards God over one situation. And my heart broke this morning over certain people. And I didn't even ask for that. It just happened. Jesus said, Simon, this is Luke twenty-two thirty-one through 34. Simon, Simon, behold, listen to me carefully. Satan hath desired to have you. Satan hath desired to have you. That he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you. Jesus says to one of his disciples, I have prayed for you. Someone says, can I pray for you? Would you turn down if Jesus showed up in the flesh and said, can I pray for you? I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith through this will not fail. And when you are converted, in other words, when you walk through this trial, not being drowned, not being burned or singed because God said you wouldn't, then you can strengthen thy brethren. Then you are converted. In other words, you have gone through it faithfully, and you are converted. We stay in the desert sometimes for years when we don't have to. I've been in a desert for years, and I didn't have to be there, but through it, coming out of it, being converted, I pray that I can strengthen the brethren this morning. And it continues and said, and he said unto him, Peter says, Lord, I'm ready to go with you. 
both into prison and to death. And he said, oh, I tell you, Peter, you see, Peter's bragging about his faith, and he has some serious faith. Some serious, go, but it, maybe it hasn't quite been tested to this degree yet. So he says, I- I'm ready to go with you, Lord. I- I'll go to prison with you. I- I'll even go to death with you, Lord. Yeah, you have faith like that? Would you say that now? But maybe nothing really has happened to really eclipse or obscure your vision of the sun. You say that now, but when something happens, then maybe we react accordingly. And he said unto them, Lord, I'm ready to go with you in prison to death. And he said, Peter, I'm telling you, I'm telling you this. I'm God. I'm God in the flesh. I'm Jesus. I'm telling you this. It's going to happen. The rooster will not crow this day before you have denied me three times that you even know me. Can you imagine being told that before you do it? Lenny, you are going to go to work today and you are going to deny the Lord Jesus Christ three times before noon. And Jesus is telling his disciple this is going to happen. He's warning him of what's to come. And we brag about how strong our faith is. Can you imagine from that point on the accusations and the harassment and the bombardment from hell mentally that Peter faced in his mind? This is where Peter endures an eclipse of faith. These types of experiences have faced devoted Christians throughout history. Devoted Christians. Again, if your faith is weak and it's just froth, it's just kind of, yeah, I go to church, I believe, I, but it's never really been tested to where you've come through it. I may not be talking to you this morning because you really might not know what I'm talking about. But it's coming. If you set yourself to pursue God, you have an attack coming. And eclipses of faith are being endured by so many saints today. When I say endured, I mean they're going through them. The times we're living in are going to get worse, and these eclipses, when battled, through them, produce so much faith and trust and iron in your soul towards the Son of God. Now, as you recall, Peter's eclipse happened at Passover. Some serious things about to happen. Jesus turned aside to his, remember, he asked for boldness. He turned aside to his bold disciple, and he he made this known to him, and said, Simon, Satan desires to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. He desires you. Satan desires to have you. Now, if you remember correctly, Satan and God converse. In Job, they converse. Where have you been? Roaming on the earth. Seeking whom I may devour. Seeing whose faith is as strong as they say it is. And God permits Satan to destroy and ruin and annihilate Job, permits it. He permits this to happen to Peter. He permits it. Satan and Jesus are conversing here. Simon, Satan desires to have you. God knows all things, right? He knows Satan. He desires to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. And some scholars actually say that that translates to means, essentially, Peter has demanded that I turn you over to him. Is your faith that strong that Satan would go to God and say, can I, uh, 
Can I really test their faith to see if it's as strong as they say it is? That he may shake your very life. Satan and God communicate. They communicate. God permits things like Job and Elijah and Jeremiah and all these different people in the word. The warning is clear. Satan was about to plan and and navigate and orchestrate a supernatural attack on Peter's faith. I believe that God, that the enemy, Satan himself, is after one thing in our trial. One thing. One thing. And it's your confidence in the faithfulness in God's promise. If he can steal our confidence, he's got you. He's got you. And your faith is eclipsed when your confidence has been stolen by the enemy. And now your vision of the Son of God is, is it's obscured, it's, it's destroyed. And you can no longer see and your faith is weak and you, go, you give up. That's why some of us haven't prayed like we know we should pray for years. That's why we have to resort back to remember 15 years ago when we did this. Remember when the young men in this church used to gather in the old sanctuary and go down and circle up and grab hands and pray? Remember when that hasn't happened probably once in the past eight years? There's no leadership because there's no prayer in your quiet time. There's no prayer in our quiet time. Now, as a whole, I'm saying this from God. There might be a couple of people that have devoted themselves to pray. And I'm willing to bet that it's those people that's faith has been eclipsed and they have decided to press through it. Therefore, they know God's faithfulness to them and his mercy and love and grace and forgiveness and power to them. And they know that he's trustworthy. But sometimes we have partial eclipses as well, even though we are coming out victorious through these battles. To sift means to shake violently up and down, sideways, back and forth, to stir in every way, to mess up your life. I know kids that I've gone in class that have come through the freshman year at Maysville. I can't even describe to you the horror that they have faced in their families. How can you go through that without God? We've had suic- We've had probably seven suicides since I've been there. The answer is, is you can't go through it without God. Earlier that day, Peter had boasted of having an unfailing faith. He said to Jesus in front of the other disciples, Lord, I will never doubt you and I would die before I ever mistrusted you. You ever feel like that? Say it in front of other people. I believe. And then you go home and your faith is eclipsed so quickly. By what? What has kept you? What has kept us? What has kept you from prayer? What has kept you? What has kept you? What has kept you from prayer? What has eclipsed your faith? What is it? A past sin? Bitterness from 10 years ago? And you're letting the enemy lie to you every day and you're watching your life go by? It is a war, it is a fight to even take the first step towards the prayer closet. Make no mistake, Peter, his faith wasn't just froth, it wasn't just emotion. You have to understand, of all the disciples, this is the man who had demonstrated boldness of belief time after time. It was Peter who stepped out of the boat to take the first few steps on water. He has a pretty solid faith. 
And Peter had declared such faith in Jesus, and he believed Jesus. He believed in everything he was, how divine God sent incarnate in the flesh. He believed it. He had faith in it, an unshakable faith. He even says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. When Jesus says, who do you say that I am? You have to understand that Jesus said that he would build his church on this type of faith that Peter possessed. See, he has some pretty hardcore faith, which means he probably has an unbelievable attack coming. said that Jesus was built his church on this type of testimony and this type of faith. Peter's belief was real, and for this very reason, the devil went after him. Count it all joy, my sisters and brothers. If you are not being attacked at all, and you're just like, I'll just job and school and this and kids and that and whatever, I question your intentional pressing into the things of God. Really, because when you start to do that, Get ready. Get ready for an attack. I remember Jace preached a message probably eight years ago, and I'll remember four words he said. He said this, I found a place. And he was talking about his prayer closet. It's probably been eight years. I found a place. Satan doesn't demand opportunities to break down People whose faith is weak or wavering. He's not going to go to God about you and say, hmm, I want this person. I demand that I have this person because their faith seems unwavering. I'm going to test it. Has he gone to God about your faith like that? Have you been so attacked that you have actually thought about denying Jesus Christ? Few of us realize this truth when we're in the midst of of a trial. We don't see that we're in a fire because of our walk with Jesus, that the devil is trying to quench our hunger for God's presence. He's just trying to extinguish our hunger for his presence. Think about Peter, a man about to become a pillar of God's church. He's launching the gospel into the world during Pentecost. You don't think Satan's going to attack him? I've wanted God desperately since I was 16 years old and I just turned 35 over Christmas break. But I've had so many eclipses of faith, but I praise God that I have continued to hear His voice. Praise God that I can hear His voice and He still wants me. He still loves me. He still has mercy on me. He still is gracious with me. Thank God, because I am an utter fool without the presence of God. So all Christians are tested concerning their faith, sure. All Christians. But it happens as the flesh rises up against the spirit to lust after the things of the world. It can be a temporary partial eclipse, or it can be an eclipse that has lasted 20 years. And you have felt like giving up because the eclipse is so huge in front of you with your sin or addiction or disappointment or lack of answered prayer. We can't see the sun anymore. We give up. Again, if you're not pressing into the things of God, and maybe you never have, to be honest with you, you may not understand this this message. 
but God told me to still speak it. So for some followers of Christ, Satan's sifting is much more than a war between flesh and spirit. We're all tested. We're all tested. But it's more than just a spiritual war. or It's an on-site, face-to-face, supernatural attack by the devil himself to try to destroy their belief. We must recognize where this attack is coming from. Such servants' faith come under direct, well-devised strategy and attacks by forces of hell, shaking us mentally, physically, and spiritually. A couple of weeks ago, I actually told my wife that it would be easier if Satan would actually show up in the flesh so I could snap his neck and end it. That would be so much easier. Number one, though, God already did that. Number two, the battle was not against flesh and blood. So it's an unseen war that happens in the supernatural through prayer and resting in God's love for us. God has ordained our faith as Christians to come through these types of trials. Jesus knew the satanic onslaught to to come upon Peter was aimed at his faith. If the enemy can steal the confidence in your faith in God, he's got you. He has you. Satan has desired to have you. He's after one thing in your trial. Your confidence and your faith in God's faithfulness to do what He has promised you. Because when God has promised you something and you don't see the fruition, the fruits of it for a year, we give up. Or 11 and a half years, we give up, right? We throw in the towel. It's eclipsed. If some of you, maybe you've lost loved ones, and that's personal, but I'm going to be honest with you, most of the relatives, to our shame, We probably don't know them like we do our family here at church. We don't even know them, so when they die, we're sad. What's wrong with us? But it's a a personal attack from the enemy, I'm telling you, when this happens. But the enemy will take something maybe that God meant you to go through for a few months, and sometimes it's, it's dragged out by our decisions for years and years. So he even prepared Peter by telling him, I have prayed that your faith not fail. Jesus even forewarned Peter that he would fall. He says, when you are converted, though, when you come through it, strengthen your brothers. Again, this is why people that have supernaturally fought and they've endured and come through these battles are better to have as spiritual mentors and leaders because their speech has some weight to it. Amen? You want to go to those. Some people don't understand. Well, I don't know if I want that guy praying for me as a young, as maybe a 17-year-old boy. And you want to, you want to have an accountability with a, your best friend who's also 17, who's been through nothing in their life? Not in all cases. But who would you rather have? Who would you rather have tell you? Well, yeah, God, we know you're faithful. How do you know that? How do you know that? What have you been through? What has the enemy attacked you with in in such depths that it's caused you almost to deny Christ? Finally, Jesus said something his disciples couldn't, couldn't even receive hardly. He says, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows this day, you have denied me three times that you even know me. So think about this. As I said, what if Jesus had spoken that about you? How would you have reacted to that? 
But Lord, you know I've been faithful. I've forsaken all to follow you, and you've given me promises to keep me from, from falling. But now you're saying I'm going to do unspeakable things? Honestly, I, I, you're telling me I'm going to speak like an atheist? I'm going to go from stepping out on the water because my belief in you is so real that I'm going to go from that to speaking like an atheist. I don't know him. I've never heard of the man. Maybe you've never said that, but our actions show this thousands of times over. I believe that most Christians would have that type of reaction. How how could this be? No way. I'm not going to go from this to that. There's no way. So we may have experienced times of sifting, but I'm willing to bet that few of us could imagine Satan's attack being so severe that we would actually be tempted to deny him. I don't know if I'm speaking to people that have been to this church for a really long time that think that their time is over because your faith is eclipsed and you're willing to just cope with a life of misery because you know God has something for you, but we get this complex that God hates us because we have failed. And he doesn't want to hear from us. So we just put ourselves in a position where we don't think God can use us anymore. Nice try. Now picture Peter standing outside the council. I think of the Passion of the Christ, the movie, and people that have kind of illustrated this. But you can picture Peter standing outside the religious council, warming himself by the fire. This was the hour that Jesus warned would come, when the power of darkness would seem to eclipse everything. Now start to imagine the awful things that Satan would be injecting inside of Peter's mind and then causing Peter to wonder, I I can't believe what's happening to Jesus. If he were truly God, how could he allow such humiliation to take place? Already the doubt and the fear are being birthed and he's speaking these things and wondering these things. All because God said, you are about to be tested like you never have. And maybe that's the word for you this morning. Maybe it's coming. If he were truly God, how could he allow such humiliation to take place? He's supposed to be the son of the living God, yet he can't even deliver himself. How can I expect him to deliver me? All the things he told us are going up in smoke. Where's God's power? Where's his presence at in this desperate hour? See, he's losing it. And this was a faithful man. But does that mean he still isn't? Sometimes we mess this up here. Many of us have asked the same questions in the midst of our own trials. We are just as baffled as Peter when we cry out to the Lord and we don't hear answers. When our situation goes from bad to worse, you're just looking for a way of escape. When we're reduced to soul-shaking terror. So what is meant by the eclipse of faith phrase. In nature, we all know that a solar eclipse occurs when the moon passes between the earth and the sun. And it obscures the the light either partially or totally. And sometimes, for a while, the sun seems to literally disappear. So when something disappears because we're natures of walking by sight, we don't think it's there. Out of sight, out of mind. And the daylight suddenly becomes dark. Isn't how... Isn't it funny how quickly something can go from great to absolutely horrendous? 
And the enemy, maybe, is asking God permission if he can have you. Gosh, I demand him. I desire to have him or her. This is a war, New Hope Church, and all that are visiting this morning. There's good news. So look, sometimes like the Greek meaning of the eclipse actually means I am absent. It means I cease to exist. There is no God. There's no God anymore. How can there be a God if I'm in this situation? I just don't believe anymore. In ancient thinking, the sun was actually extinguished for a while by the gods. What are your small g gods that are eclipsing your vision? Is it TV? Is it internet? Is it video games that we spend time with? Is it a relationship? You can no longer see or hear God anymore because your vision is so obscured and eclipsed by the gods of this world who've blinded our eyes. For Christians, a spiritual eclipse is a dark hour when God seems to be absent from our lives. It happens most often during times of testing because that's the vulnerability, that's the weakness, and that's when Satan sees a crevice to creep in and he desires to have you. It happens most often during these times of testing and trial and he tries to obscure our vision of the Lord and he attempted it with Peter throwing everything in hell at the disciple to try to send his faith into an eclipse of total darkness. Have you ever faced this type of an eclipse? Have you ever faced this? An hour when your mind was flooded with questions, questioning God, questioning God's existence. When your prayers seemed to fall to the ground and God's word seemed closed to you. When you felt like your life was empty and useless and a total failure, you have failed, you have to cope with misery misery the rest of your spiritual walk. If you're not doing what God has called you to do, every time you come to church, it's painful. It's painful. Every Sunday we decide to continue to live in sin or every Sunday we decide to not really surrender. It is a miserable, painful walk with God. Submit. It's only the beginning, ladies and gentlemen. Submit. Submit. So many people I have known that won't submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ, not only as their savior, but once they're quote-unquote saved, there's just still so much stubbornness and lack of surrender and submission. God can't do anything through us. Satan desires to have you. See it as an honor. If your faith is as strong as you say it is. I know this is from God this morning. At such times, you hear whispers of accusations from the devil himself. Man, after all the praying you've done, all the revelations you've received from God's word, all your testifying of God's faithfulness, that he is faithful and true, after all of that, you're still weak. You blew it. Your time is over. You now must cope with this life of misery. You can't practice what you preach. Suddenly, you're tempted to think, this, this, uh, this faith walk doesn't make sense in my life. Please recognize where this attack is coming from. It's from hell. It is from Satan himself. There are some battles of the flesh and the mind. There are some battles with people. There are some bat- 
But this attack on his saints in this last hour of time is deliberate and intentional. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your flub-ups. And he's after you. And he desires to have you. And he's demanding to have you. So you think maybe it doesn't make sense. None of it adds up for me. I can't make it work anymore. I can't go on with this. I'm too beaten down and I can't handle it. If there's people in here that have been here, and I know that there are several, I hope that you can agree with this word this morning. Some of you have a calling on your life. I, I, told, I even told Jen this morning, I came up from praying this morning. I couldn't stop crying this morning. I don't even know what happened, but God showed me probably a dozen people in this church, gave me names, faces specifically, that you think your life is over. You think your spiritual potential is gone because of your past mistakes, because of your current situation that's maybe keeping you or eclipsing you, bitterness that you've had for years and years. You think it's over. I'm telling you from God this morning, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not over. It's not over. It's not over. It's not over. There is more. There is more. There is more. Consider Peter's language in the midst of this eclipse of faith. When someone asked him, aren't you a follower of this Jesus? Peter actually lied. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know this man. When pressed about it a second time, he responded, I don't know him. Finally, he asked a third time. You start to get offended, but this is like an outrage that Peter's going through now. He's been totally bombarded with the enemy. When asked a third time, the Bible says he actually uttered a curse and screamed. I've never been with this man. He cursed. We might not curse, but I'm telling you, our actions do this. During our moments of trial and weakness, thinking that God is nowhere to be found. Talk about a total eclipse of faith for Peter. Peter sounded like an an enraged atheist. His faith was completely shattered. He'd crossed the line, hadn't he? Hadn't he crossed the line? Actually denying Jesus. This same bold disciple who had casted out demons had not sunk to total unbelief. How do we do that? Some must have thought, surely God is finished with Peter, removing his anointing from his life. After all, how could a true servant of God speak this way? This is how it can happen. It actually occurs when we're under the enemy's heavy barrage and God seems completely absent. This is precisely the time when Satan's voice comes through so loud and clear that we lose all sight of the Lord. And suddenly, suddenly, I know that this word is for many people in this room. Suddenly, we feel like our life has been spent in vain, that it's counted for nothing. And in that dark moment of eclipse, the devil has created such chaos that we can't possibly see a way out. And we can't imagine God's power being able to deliver us. And we think God is through with us. But we continue to come to church. Why? Why? If we're going to come to church and not completely surrender and submit, why? 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 Come to church. Let's really be honest. Why show up? Why show up? If we know we are not going to surrender and submit. Unsaved husbands, unsaved wives that are not here sitting next to you. May I know that your faith has been eclipsed probably way more than one time. With the enemy telling you lies. 
It's heavy, isn't it? It's heavy. Satan had wanted Peter to spin out into total despair. Indeed, the disciple realized to his horror, I I denied Jesus. I denied him, not just once, but three times. What's happened to me? What is happening to me? Imagine a cloud of condemnation cloaking Peter's mind in that hour. Or when secret sin calls to us and we deny him in our actions over and over, it just produces more and more condemnation. But the last time I read, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I have suffered from this. What about you? Have you lived under condemnation because at one point in your faith it went into an eclipse or maybe you continually turned to a sinful habit or doubted God's ability to work his covenant promises in your life? If he can steal, if the enemy can steal the confidence in your faithfulness of God's promises, you're done. He desired to have you and he got you. But thank God and praise God for his mercy and everlasting love. Since then you've lived in a spiral of fear, guilt, and condemnation. God spoke this to my life several weeks ago. We all know how God delivered Peter out of this horrible time. He did it in the same way he delivered a holy man in Scripture who faced their own eclipse. For example, Elijah, a man who truly heard from God. You remember the story of Elijah suffered, he suffered a severe eclipse of faith. His faith literally, Elijah's faith literally opened and shut heaven. How do you go from that to what he went to? It literally opened and shut heaven. It was a prophet fearlessly uh, who proclaimed his testimony and a man whose who's rugged faith in God uh, caused kings to fear him and hell to tremble. When Satan had Israel in his grip, Elijah rose up in faith and brought down all the idolatry. This is a pretty amazing man of God submitted to the will of God, spent in prayer, had so much faith. Yet this holy prophet endured a dark eclipse of faith. Satan knew the impact that what Elijah's faith would have on Israel. He knew it. And he knows if you get a hold of God, what you can do with the spirit and the power of God behind you. And Satan is frankly scared of that. He, you are a threat to him and he is throwing hell against you because some of you are ordained preachers and you're running. Some of you, like the Bible says, are prophets and are preachers. And I hear these old men of God saying out of that meeting came preachers and prophets and men and women of God that would speak and missionaries and evangelists. Where are those here? We are running. We are running away from it spiritually. This is how the church is going to rise up in this last hour. Judgment starts in the house of God, not in the world. My house shall be called a house of prayer. And another translation says in Luke, I think my house is a house of prayer. Well, where's his house? It's here. It's in the moment where you eject yourself from every other circumstance and say, babe, watch the kids. I have to pray. I have to pray. It'll get to that point. And and if if your faith starts to increase because of today, get ready for an attack. But I encourage you to press through it because that is when you will become known by God and God will start to know it's going to be beautiful. And I'm telling you, it's through hardly breathing sometimes in prayer. It's through putting yourself in a vulnerable position of actually crying on your wife's lap in prayer. Have you been here? Have you been here? Do you go here? Have you continually turned to a sinful habit or doubted God's ability to work His covenant promises? And says we spiral into fear and guilt and condemnation. 
Listen to this, Elijah's triumph. He had just, uh, this holy prophet, he had a dark eclipse of faith. Um, uh, or Satan actually orchestrated again, like Job and like Jeremiah and like David, had orchestrated an attack through wicked Queen Jezebel, and it happened at the moment of Elijah's greatest triumph. He had just slain 400 prophets of Baal, if you remember this, calling down fire on Mount Carmel to Jezreel. But when he arrived, he learned Jezebel had put a price on his head, declaring Elijah is a dead man. Do we remember this? And he went from that faith, and now he's emotionally spent being bombarded by the enemy. His faith collapsed. In a single dark hour, the the powerful faith that could have opened heaven had shriveled into doubt. This is a man who outran chariots. How do you go from that to this? Hiding in a cave, hiding, hiding. We spend our lives in fear because we don't really want what God has for us. We hide. Exhausted, falling into deep depression. There are some people in here that are so lost in dark and depression, even on medication. But we won't pray. He gave up on life and not so many words. Basically, I'm through with faith, through with hope, through with zeal. Life isn't worth living anymore. I've given everything I can, but it's all blown up in my faith. God doesn't even care about me. In other words, Lord, take me out of this mess. In fact, just kill me. Have you been there? Just take me out. Because it would be easier. So you may think Elijah is the same as Peter. Surely this man has crossed a line, right? He's crossed the line. How, how could a holy servant preach righteousness and do such mighty works then deny that God even cares? Have you been there? I ask you, did God remove Elijah's anointing for, for shouting out and blaring all that unbelief? Did he rebuke this prophet for his accusations against God? Have you accused God? I have. Again, this message may not relate to anybody and everybody, because if your faith is weak and froth and mere emotion, you probably don't know the kind of fight and endurance that's being spoken of. But I honestly hope that you will. And if you know this, take every moment you have and minister to others that are going through these situations. Please, having come through it, He strengthened his brethren. That is your job. It's not so easy in the middle of it, is it? God ministered to his servant. He didn't leave Elijah. He actually showed up. If you remember the word, he fed him and strengthened him. In fact, he sent an angel to prepare a meal for Elijah that was so full of supernatural nourishment, it sustained him for 40 days. Does that sound like that all of heaven was mad at him? Jeremiah also suffered an eclipse of faith. He was a powerful preacher of holiness and repentance, a fearless prophet who had the mind of God and walked in the fear of the Lord. Yet as we read Jeremiah 20, we find Jeremiah suffering a horrible eclipse of faith. Jeremiah was preaching at the temple gate. Listen to this. Some of us maybe know this story. Jeremiah was preaching at the temple gate when a Satan-possessed priest, Peshur, marched up and slapped the prophet's face as he was preaching to a crowd. slapped his face and you think the little ridicule that you face at work oh be quiet with that god stuff and he was preaching to a crowd and a guy walked just like right now somebody walked up here and slapped me in the face in front of all of you 
This Satan-possessed priest, Pashur, marched up and slapped the prophet's face. Pashur ordered Jeremiah dragged off and locked in public stock where he was mocked and everybody could pass and see publicly where they could point, ridicule, mock, and laugh at Jeremiah. What do you think Jeremiah started to feel? I thought you had a plan for me. That wasn't it Jeremiah 1, 6, and 7 where he says, I know in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you. 1, 6, and 7, he says, but you're going to go where I tell you to go, say what I tell you to speak, and you're going to do all these things, and now he's locked in. It would kind of eclipse your faith, would it not? So when released, Jeremiah pronounced God's judgment on Pashur and his followers. He said, you, Pashur, in this city, you're coming down, and you're all going into captivity. Jeremiah 20, verse 6. Immediately, a darkness of soul descended on Jeremiah. Immediately. Think of where this guy was and now where he is. A darkness of soul descended on him and he collapsed in discouragement. The once penetrating holiness preacher now vented dark feelings towards God. By saying, Jeremiah 27 and 8, Lord, you deceived me. These are accusations against God. Am I speaking to, to anyone this morning? Is your heart being ministered to by God? Have you been in these situations? A lot of us are in them right now. A lot of us. Lord, you deceived me. The word you gave to me has become a reproach. Every day I'm mocked and ridiculed and made fun of. You've abandoned me. Accusations at God. So I'm quitting you. I'm quitting you, God. I'm not going to speak your word anymore. And we all know that Jeremiah was the prophet. The word was shut up in his bones and he had to, right? But he goes before to saying, I'm done. I'm quitting you. Uh, all your promises are empty. I'm not going to speak your word anymore. My life and ministry have ended in shame. You should have killed me in the womb. Uh, why? But the Spirit of God is telling me that there are several people at New Hope Church that are doing this right now, right now. And if you are not going through an unbelievable testing, praise God, but recognize where it comes from when it happens and recognize that it is a war and that it will not just go away because God is calling you away with him. But Satan is also demanding that he has you Come away with me, my love. Remember that song, Keith Green? Come away with me, my love. What is keeping you from prayer? What is keeping you? It is impossible to bar hop and then serve God. You can't. It doesn't work. It's impossible to put in a Sunday every, or a, a one Sunday, two Sundays a month and say that, that that'll sustain me. There's no hunger there. There's no hunger. There's no recognition of who God is and what he's done for you. The Spirit of God will make that known to you. He will if you start asking him. If you start asking him. We actually have some youth right now that are 12, 11, 12 years old that are starting to really get curious and ask God, who are you? And start to read the word like, what, what, who are you to me? They're getting hungry. Are you still hungry? Because sometimes I think, 20 years in the Lord sometimes cripples and paralyzes our faith and we lose our appetite for God. Man, do we ever. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy and a renewed walk.
So Jeremiah, again, did, did he cross the line? These people crossing the line here, how could such language come out of anyone who claims to serve God? We find our answer in the next chapter in verse 21.1 where it says, The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Thank God that the Lord still wants to speak to us and that we can still hear by His grace. Man. The prophet's eclipse passed. It passed. And God did not miss a beat. Jumped right back in where he left off with Jeremiah. You ever feel like that's where you are? Or you ever feel like you've been gone spiritually so long, you've just been going through the motions that if you were to jump back in, it wouldn't be the same. Or God won't have you so you don't jump back in. You, you know, I've wasted 10 or 15 years of my life with whatever, and, and now it's, it's over. It's over. And then we, we stay back, we run away. So Jeremiah, Jeremiah's most effective ministry through all of this, listen, please listen to this. Jeremiah's most effective ministry after all of this laid ahead of him. Did you hear that? It laid ahead of him. Some of you are thinking, if this is all I'm going to be doing for God, this, is, this, isn't, even, this isn't fun, it's too much work, it's, uh, this is... Your most effective ministry lays ahead of you. Ahead of you. It's not behind you. It's ahead of you. Is that not encouraging? Praise God for His mercy. So listen to this. God is always aware of the devices and attacks Satan uses against His most effective servants. Wouldn't you want to be considered a most effective servant? We have to really look at the inside and say, well, I'm not right now. I know that. I want to, but we're not willing to pay the price to become that. In both Elijah's and Jeremiah's lives, God knew their faith would endure the eclipse. He knew their cries came out of confusion and pain, and Scripture makes it clear that not for a single moment did God lift His anointing from either of them. Hallelujah. I say it almost every time I preach. That Romans 11.29, I think, says, God's call is irrevocable. If you have strayed, because like sheep we do, His call is still on you. Some of you are called to the mission field, some evangelists, some prophets, some prophets, some teachers, some leaders, some pastors, shepherds. But it better be God that's telling you. But you can only know God's voice if you're in prayer. Most of us can't really relate maybe to the severe siftings of faith and the, the eclipses of these spiritual giants that we might deem them in the Word of God. As we read and as we read and as you maybe read about Elijah and Jeremiah, you might think, well, I've never been really pressed to the point where I've begged God to take my life. Or as Elijah did, uh, or, or I've never accused God of deceiving me as Jeremiah did, or I've never said to the Lord, I quit. So these men's, these men's faith was total. The eclipses were total. A temporary overshadowing of their faith. You might say, well, I can't really relate to that. But there's also partial eclipses. You've probably experienced these all the time. It may be more hidden. The truth is that we can develop an equally despairing attitude if we feel God has let us down. 
After a disappointing experience, Satan may implant thoughts like, maybe, where is your God now when you need him? Or, things are going from bad to worse, but your God's nowhere in sight. Or, God has promised to make a way of escape for you. Where is he? So, if we may not express it outwardly, we entertain these thoughts all the time that the Lord's not with us and that he's mad at us and that we're not measuring up in his eyes. We're not measuring up in his eyes. Welcome to the fight. So we give God the silent treatment, thinking that that will make it better. We give God the silent treatment. We stop praying. We, we stop visiting God. We stop going to that place. We stop showing up. Backing off from Him in prayer and neglecting to trust Him in our trials. No matter what our level of the eclipse may be, partial or total, we have to realize the devil is behind the attack. It's being caused by something. It's not being caused by something in our nature or God's wrath, or, but rather it comes from a supernatural assault from hell itself. And if we fail to recognize this, where the attack is coming from, then our downward spiral will continue. Because like I said, it'd be easier if the devil shows up and I could just snap his neck physically and be done with it. But God's calling me away to turn off the TV, to get away from social media, to shut off the movie, to maybe not DVR something I used to, and go pray, alone or with my wife, to go downstairs, to shut the world out, and to pray. You feel God calling you to do that? Do you feel Him at least calling you? Maybe you haven't responded yet, but do you feel His call? Do you feel His call to do that? I hope so. I hope so. That means you can still hear God's voice and that there's still a fight being produced inside of you and there's still a war that rages. Because when the war stops, your faith is probably eclipsed and you're weak and you don't really have a whole lot of faith and you, don't, you just do everything you want to do without any kind of thought to consequences no blush or shame in our face we're just i'm going to watch this and i'm going to brag about it i'm going to take my son or daughter to this secular concert and i'm going to brag about it i'm going to do this i i mean come on really where are we where are the christians where are the christians where are the christians where are the christ followers the followers of the lord jesus christ who is holy and who demands holiness and can recognize a fight aren't we all guilty Therefore, the devil can come against us with shame and condemnation and guilt and fear, cause us to back off, back off from God. So you have to understand that, that this doesn't mean that our faith, that, that, it's, that it's over for us. It doesn't mean that we don't have faith in God. So no matter what it might be, you, you have to understand that it's a supernatural assault from hell. If we fail to recognize this, it's just going to continue. We dare not... Don't underestimate Satan's determination to shipwreck your faith. Don't underestimate it. Because he's actually going to Jesus and saying, hey, can I have them? Can I have them? And Jesus probably, if you start to experience all hell, is permitting it. He's permitting it. Wow. What kind of God? He, but he said, oh, I knew Jeremiah and Elijah would come through it. But they had to go through it to produce this depth in me. You might ask, but, Je but isn't Jesus right to be offended when we mistrust him? Doesn't it grieve him when we waver and question his faithfulness? 
I would say yes, sure. Yeah, it does. It grieves him. And our unbelieving thoughts can lead to confusion and chaos and bitterness can take root. And if it's allowed to harden up, it can actually lead to a complete falling away from God. Sure. But the fact remains is that God knows the true depths of what is in your heart. And for him, nothing has nothing for him has changed how he feels about you. Isn't that a good word? Nothing has changed how he feels about you. You have convinced yourself for the 376th Sunday in a row that God still doesn't like you because of your faults. So you've backed away. You've backed away. You've backed off. There are zero excuses why we can't pray. Zero. It doesn't matter if you have 72 children. There is no excuse. Because if you have a hunger for it, you will do it. You will do it. Why? Because we have time to do fantasy football. We have time to play every sport, watch every sport, watch every sitcom and tell everybody what's going on in The Walking Dead and all these things. I'm, I'm starting to actually get a hatred for all of that. I'm starting actually to be repulsed by all of these things. I can't explain this, but it's happening in prayer. That's where it's happening. That's where it's happening, ladies and gentlemen. That's where it's ha- This message is not new. It's as old as Jesus. As God, it is. But I believe it's a word today for this church and for those who are visiting. So he has a right to, yeah, be grieved when we don't trust him. But you have to understand that he still knows your heart. He hasn't changed the way he feels about you. He doesn't suddenly see you as his enemy and changing in an instant because of your troubled spirit. He stills consider you a friend. He calls you his friend. Man. It's just a different. He sees you as a warrior for the kingdom who might even be on the cusp of moving into new areas of trust. And for that very reason, you have become a target of Satan himself. See, the devil's absolutely determined to block your vision of God's mercy and grace. If he can obscure the mercy of God from you, you're, we're done. Because we think God's mad at us and that he hates us and we stay away from him for that reason. And we lose 10 years of our life because of it. Like the moon during an eclipse, he is little by little attempting to cover up your view of Jesus until things become completely dark. Yet all along, God has a plan for your faith to come through this temporary eclipse. So look, many of us are able to relate to a partial eclipse, maybe of the faith of David that he endured. In Psalm 55, David speaks of a satanic attack that denied, that drained his strength and patience, and it caused an eclipse so severe that David wanted to run. He actually moaned in Psalm 55, and he said, there's a pain in my soul, a pressure that never lets up. Have you been there? You can't sleep? My wife, haven't had, my wife and I haven't had good sleep for about four months but the past couple of weeks have been good by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? You ever experienced such fear and dread and anxiety that all the walls are closing in and you start to doubt and your confidence is pulled by the devil himself that your husband will ever get saved or that your wife will ever be healed? God is good. And whatever he does is meant for our good. Why do we think we know more than he who created us? Why did he come to his own and we received him not? Stop pushing. Stop pushing. There's pain in my soul, a pressure that never lets up, maybe from a divorce. 
you wish never would have happened. Never lets up. The battle never ends. What I'm going through terrifies me. David says, there's times I can't stop trembling. Lord, don't hide from me anymore. Please listen to my complaint. You have to make a way of escape from me. If only I had wings like a dove, I would fly out of this place and hide in some wilderness. I just want rest from this battle. Anyone? Get me out of here. Like my little niece's birthday we celebrated last night. She has a hat that if you press this, has little wings up here. Just please let me fly out of this circumstance. Get me out of it. Deliver me. But he's designed it the whole time to take you through it. Please surrender and submit. What was the cause of David's awful battle? It was a voice. Psalm 55.3 says, because of the voice of the enemy. It was a voice. In the Hebrew, the meaning here is the voice of a man. It was Satan actually speaking. Have you ever felt like you heard a voice? Again, if you haven't been pressed to this type of battle... It may be on its way. I don't know. Along with his demonic, his demonic oppressors and everybody from hell coming against you, and it says in 55.3, again, because of the oppression of the wicked. Recognize where the battle comes from. David says of these voices, they cast iniquity upon me, and in wrath they hate me. So basically he's just saying that the actual tongues of devils are hurling accusations at me. Satan and his henchmen conspire against me, harassing me with lies. They dig up failures from my past, and they bring them before me and try to make me fearful. This is going on right now. I feel it in my spirit right now. What what did David do about this? He cried out to the Lord for help asking him to silence the enemy's accusations. In 56, 5 and 6 says, Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues. In verse 9, Every day they twist my words, and all their thoughts are against me for evil. They even mark my steps. They're watching me. They desire me. They want me. They're after me. David's testimony makes it clear for everybody in here that we're all facing evil powers and in a fight for our faith against the father of lies. It's clear right here. And the only way that we can do battle is to cry out for the Lord for help. God's looking for a man. He searches the earth for a man whose heart is towards him, for a woman. He's searching and looking. It's great when God gets a hold of a man, but it's even more powerful when a man gets a hold of God. Set yourself, please, new hope. Why do I have to remember back when I was 16 years old and I prayed with Lenny and received the Holy Ghost down in the front left as you look at the stage over there in the old sanctuary and received the power of speaking in tongues and all this. And I, we did all this thing. You always have to revert back. Wasn't that an awesome time? Does anyone want anything new or fresh? Like we could leave maybe today or tonight or next week or sometime soon or even in your prayer closet because that's where it's at, where I'm just kind of aching to get back to. And that's been a fight to even have that aching to go there. Please surrender. Please, for the sake of possibly tens or hundreds or a thousand people that could go to hell, if you surrender, it could change everything. Eternity for maybe a thousand people. You don't know. How do you know? Don't give up. Please, don't give up. We're wrapping up. You can go ahead and take the house lights down. 
So like other holy servants of God, David came out of his eclipse and was used mightily and as never before. His best ministry laid ahead of him. Hallelujah for that. That means this isn't it. This isn't it. We're going to be forced and faced with so many situations in this last hour. I pray that your faith is strong enough. Ask Jesus for the things that you will need then, now. Because if you do not, you will buckle. Please, church, set it aside. The same joy awaits us just beyond our eclipse, yet it's when we're at our lowest, lowest and deepest point of our unbelief that God is doing His deepest work. I say amen to that. Is it fair to say that, uh, I don't know if this is embarrassing or, or awesome, is it fair to say that I, I feel like the past, maybe, I don't know, a few messages and even it's getting more and more that I'm finally... Uh, me, personally, I'm starting to kind of feel like I'm getting a word from God. How awful to, is it to say that? I've been a youth pastor for 13 years, and I feel I hear from God all the time, and I can put the message together. But how many people are willing to go to get a message from God in prayer and actually toil and, and, and sweat over a message that God might give you and weep and cry? Messages are, some of you might not be able to speak in front of people, and some of you think, well, my personality, I'd flub that up. But I'm just telling you, messages are easy. They come easy for me because of my personality. I speak in front of a class, over well over 100 kids a day for 12 years, youth pastor for 13 years. I, I would, I'd speak in front of 20,000 people with, with no big deal. But it's, is it, it's, it's been so much different because when you go to your prayer closet and you're getting a message from the Lord, I don't know if I can explain this, but I feel like today is from Jesus Christ himself. And I will say again, all of you probably don't are not getting this, but by the Spirit of God, hopefully you'll be able to tuck this away in your arsenal and your heart and use it sooner or later. So as we wrap up, you know, have you, maybe you've been sifted recently to shake violently left, right, up, and down. And maybe your faith is seeming to fail in the dark hour of eclipse. Or like Peter, you may feel defeated. Or Jeremiah, God has deceived or abandoned you. Or like Elijah, you just are simply overwhelmed and you simply want your life to be over. You see no way out of your eclipse. And I want to urge you to do a, a couple of things, one, two, or three things. Number one, please rest in God's love for you. Please rest in the fact that God loves you no matter what. He loves you. He calls you a friend. He wants to be with you. He calls you away. He loves you. He loves you. He has an absolute love for you that cannot be explained, that cannot be obscured or, or eclipsed by what your thoughts of what you think God might feel about you. It, that It's not true. I'm telling you, it's all a lie. It's all a lie. It's all a lie. God loves you. He loves, Nothing ever changes the way God feels about you. Nothing ever changes. So you have to remember these servants and all these people we've talked about, the examples of the plan God had in place for each of them through their trial. So they were meant to come out of their eclipse prepared for the ministry that God had for them. I'm, I'm starting to just now in the past couple of years starting to feel like there's maybe some seasoning going on in my life. We can play church for a long time. 
and even show up and put our hands up and shed a few tears, but it's not cutting it. Number two, no matter how deep your unbelieving thoughts, the Lord sees what you're going through, and His love for you never wavers. Though we are faithless, He remains faithful. Titus 3, 3, and 4, we ourselves also are sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived. After that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appears. It appears. The Greek meaning of appeared is superimposed. That's what that means there. God looks on our struggles, our worries, our fears, our questions, and in our short times of eclipse filled with foolishness and even disobedience of completely acting against the word of God, saying something, going somewhere, looking at something, responding, interacting, reacting, in foolish, disobedient ways, he still superimposes his divine love over us. He appears. His love appears. It superimposes. No matter what our condition, amen, his love trumps everything. Because the greatest of these is love. Rest in his love for you. I have a hard time doing this sometimes. The last thing, do as David did and cry out to the Lord day and night. Lord God of my salvation, in Psalm 55, I have cried to you day and night before you, and the morning prayer comes before you. Incline your ear to me. When you go to prayer thinking, I will die without uh, conversing with you, communicating with you, but more than anything else, I need your presence. I need you to continue sifting, getting things out of my life, putting more of you into my life, giving me uh, words for people that are hurting and broken, their faith is eclipsed and fractured. I need to hear from you, Lord. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Listen, right before we start some music, um, if you feel like this is you, just please come down and stand along the front. Please, right now, don't wait. Please come down. These might be people that are 20 years old in the Lord. And maybe that's what God was telling me. But maybe you are looking. There is a battle on the horizon. Your faith has been shattered. It's been eclipsed. It's obscured your view of the sun and what he has for you. You know you have a calling on your life and you have ran. Or maybe certain circumstances have blocked those things out of your life for a long period of time. You are called. I'm telling you, you are called by God today. You are called God wants to heal your heart. He wants to mend wounds. And He wants to remove the eclipse that sometimes we produce, but a lot of times it's because Satan is asking for you. He is demanding you. God, can I have her? God, can I have him? And then God permits it. And He says, yes, go after them. Their faith will come through it. And then their best ministry lays ahead of them. Hallelujah. 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 You can go ahead and put that up and li listen to the words of this song. Worship Him. I'm going to ask if, the, if there's anybody, if you know somebody that's up here, maybe you know their situation, maybe you don't. Um, ladies, come up and find a lady. Just pray for them. You don't have to pray to them or at them. Just put your hands on their shoulder and pray for them, encourage them. Everybody should have somebody praying for them. This is what the body of Christ is. Come up, find men, find a young uh, man, 
find another man. Ladies, if it's your son, sure. But try to find a lady. Ladies, um, pray for someone. If it's your husband or wife, pray for them. Encourage them in the Lord. That's what David did. He encouraged himself in the Lord. It is not over. Hallelujah. It is not over. It's just an eclipse of faith. Amen. Pray for them. Listen to these lyrics.